Church family, as we continue to worship this morning, I'm going to encourage you to take your copy of God's Word and to open and turn with me to the book of Philippians. Philippians chapter 4 this morning, specifically verses 10 through 13. Philippians chapter 4 verses 10 through 13. If you're new to Dawson, welcome. We're walking through a series through Paul's letter to the church at Philippi. We're coming now to the uh, final words of Paul. We have one more message next week that we will, we will uh, engage with God's Word through the Apostle Paul there to the church at Philippi. Now, I ask you a question I think is a very profound question, and the, and it's the, the profundity of it is in, in the nature of how you answer this question. What is the secret to true contentment? What, what is the secret to true contentment? How do you experience deep, lasting satisfaction and joy in your life? How, how do I experience deep satisfaction and, and joy and contentment in, in life? I'm reminded of a story Billy Graham tells in his autobiography, Just As I Am, where he and Ruth, his wife, were vacationing in an island off the Caribbean, and there they are, and as they're there, they have a, a meal that is scheduled with one of the wealthiest people in the world. He invites them to his uh, home there on the island, and as you can imagine, it's a luxurious home. He says to them, almost at the outset of their conversation and that lunch, he says, I am 75 years old and I have everything that this world could offer me. I could take you to my yacht that is mine, private plane that gets me from this island and, 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 and to wherever I need to go, which is mine, a helicopter that gets me around on the island. But this, with all that I have and all that I'm surrounded by, I am, Dr. Graham, the most miserable person on this island. They ate with him and prayed with him and pointed him to Christ. They left. They go back to the small cottage that they're staying in. They are paid a visit that afternoon by the local pastor there in the community. And he also was in his 70s. He was a widower lost his wife to cancer a few years before. He was caring for two invalid sisters there upon the island. He, he said to the Grahams, I, I don't have two pounds to my name, but I tell you this, I am the happiest man on this island. Where did that enthusiasm, where did that joy, I, I ask you, I, I think an important question, who was the richer of these two men? How you answer that question really does matter. That, that question, I think, that, that comes from this story, it, it points us to a reoccurring uh, theme in, in your life and in my life, that there is an enemy that whispers into our ears that promises deep satisfaction. Contentment, lasting joy, if you just happen to have fill in the blank. You will have contentment if you have the right job, or you will have contentment if you get that right promotion. You will have true contentment, lasting joy, if you drive this vehicle, vacation in this right spot, take this health supplement. You will have uh, contentment. You will have joy if you just live in this home in just the right neighborhood, then surely you're guaranteed joy and contentment in life, right? Surely that's the secret to contentment. If 
few years ago, there was a documentary on Netflix entitled Becoming Andy. It's based upon Jim Carrey's experience where he was playing the famed comedian from the 70s, Andy Kaufman. He becomes Andy Kaufman, as, as, as the documentary would show, in, in many, many ways. And, and the, the documentary footage is interspliced with, with contemporary conversations with Jim Carrey. And there's this one scene that I just cannot shake where, where this actor at the height of success, this actor who has everything that his career and profession could promise, he, he looks into the camera and he says, I think everybody should get rich and famous and do everything that they ever dreamed of so they can see it's just not the answer. I wish that everyone could get rich and famous and do everything they ever dreamed of so that they could see it's just not the answer. What's the answer? What, what is the secret to true contentment? If, if it's not these things, then what or who is the secret? Paul has no hesitations in answering that question. He, he has no disclaimers. He has no footnotes. He, he is clear in his answer, an answer that, that we would be wise to listen carefully to in this moment in time. Paul, writing to the church at Philipp, uh, the Philippi, he comes to chapter 4 and he writes, I rejoice in the Lord greatly, verse 10, that now at length you have revived your concern for me. You were indeed concerned for me, but you had no opportunity. Now that I am speaking of being in need, not that I'm speaking of being in need, for I have learned in whatever situation I am to be, notice that word, content. I know how to be brought low and I know how to abound in any and every circumstance. I have learned the secret of facing plenty and hunger, abundance and need. Verse 13, I can do all things through him who strengthens me. Here Paul in verse 12 says, hey, I know the secret of contentment in any and every circumstance. And there's a temptation for us to say, oh, come on, Paul. Really? I mean, if you, if you knew the circumstance of, of the overbearing boss that I will go and, and, and serve alongside of and, and work for tomorrow, you, you, you would preface on most any and every circumstance. Or if you knew what it was to, to walk a mile in my shoes and in the midst of my family situation right now where I feel so unappreciated, so undervalued, so overlooked in the midst of the duties that, that I so tirelessly commit to, you, you would say, most any and every circumstance, you can find contentment. If you knew what it was like, Paul, to, to walk in to the consultation room and to sit down in front of the doctor and have her look at me and tell me the diagnosis that in that moment took my breath away, you would for sure say, most of any and every circumstance you can find contentment in. But you don't know my circumstances, Paul. You, you don't know the situation that I'm in the midst of. I remind you the Apostle Paul is, is writing these very words in prison. I remind you that, that the way that he faced prison is that he, he is, is chained to a Praetorian guard, a, a Roman guard for 24-7. I mean, the majority of all of his experience in prison is to be chained to this guard. 
He has no clue whether or not for, for certain that he's going to be able to get out of prison, to be able to even be reunited with the people that he's writing to. So he's got confinement and uncertainty in the midst of his historical circumstances. And then if you back out, I mean, if you zoom in, that's where Paul is. But if you back out and you get a wide angle shot of any and every circumstance that, that Paul could be referring to here, you have this passage in 2 Corinthians that just absolutely takes your breath away of what the Apostle Paul endured as, 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 a, as a missionary of the gospel. Just, just listen to this litany of experience with far greater labors, far more imprisonments, with countless beatings and often near death. Five times I received at the hands of the Jews the forty lashes, less one. Three times I was beaten with rods. Once I was stoned. Three times I was shipwrecked, a night and a day I was adrift at sea, on frequent journeys, in danger from rivers, in danger from robbers, danger from my own people, danger from Gentiles, danger in the city, danger in the wilderness, danger at sea, danger from false brothers, in toll and hardship, through many a sleepless night, in hunger and thirst, often without food, in cold and exposure. And apart from all of these things, apart from all that I've just told you, Paul says, there is the daily pressure on me of my anxiety for all the churches. So for any person that is here this morning and says, you know something, Paul doesn't know what he's talking about. I mean, how, how, how could he say any and every circumstance? He's, he's not living in the modern pressures of the age of, of 2021. I, I think we could all say Paul's got some skin in the game on this topic. I, I think we all could agree Paul has some, the experiential collateral to be able to speak with authority. This is no ivory tower scholar just conjecturing on the source of contentment, right? In sort of this, this journal article here, this is Paul with blood. This is Paul with tears. This is blood with, with this is bled and written with disappointment here. And this is a word that all of us would sit upright to and listen carefully to. Because Paul gives us the very secret to contentment in any and every circumstance. And what's the answer? Is it his, is it his sunny disposition? Is it that he's just sort of a, a glass half full kind of guy? Instead of seeing the difficulty of life, he sees, he sees challenges and difficulty as just opportunities. Is this just the power of positive thinking that when you're going through a difficult situation, see the best in it? The answer is absolutely no. The very answer of what Paul gives us as a secret of contentment is not in Paul's ingenuity, not in Paul's mentality, but is looking to Christ in a relationship with him. Again, verse 13 is the secret. I can do all things through him who strengthens me. I imagine that if I did a survey before the start of the sermon series and I said, what's one verse of the book of Philippians that you can paraphrase or quote from memory? Most here, if they have one verse, it's going to be Philippians 4.13. I can do all things. Maybe you memorize. I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. I think it's the first verse I memorized. I was a freshman 
That verse was an important verse with, with the types of, of ministries that I intersected with. The Fellowship of Christian Athletes was vitally important in my conversion and in my early days of growth in Christ. The only reason I went to church was I could play basketball in their church gym, and then I would go to the youth group meetings after that. No one told me this, but when I was a young Christian playing sports, I hung on to this verse sort of as a good luck charm. I remember vividly writing uh, 413 in the, in the collar of my undershirt as I played football, thinking as I wiped my sweat that, that if I could keep this passage before me, there was no feet on the football field that I could not achieve. There were no, no matter how many sprints at the end of football practice, I, I could run them all. That, that, that uh, if, I, if I just lived into this verse, I remember vividly playing baseball, being on, uh, in, in, the, in the batter's box, waiting to go hit and saying, I can do all things that Christ all things which Christ strengthens me. I never really stopped to ask, is Paul talking about like every athletic achievement that you can make? Is that really the focus of what Paul is saying here? Uh, the answer came to me uh, very certainly when I was a freshman playing free safety. We were playing Madison Central, sort of our rivals. There was a running back, I forget his name, I think it was Derrick Henry, maybe. And uh, so... Uh, no, obviously that's not who that was. He was a man among boys, just running all over the field. It's probably the second quarter or so. He breaks through the line. Linebacker misses the tackle. It's just me and the goal line. I'm the only person in between this guy scoring. I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. So I go to tackle him, and he uh, runs me over. I mean, just runs straight over me. In desperation, I reach behind, and with my right hand, I grab the back of his jersey, and for 15 yards, he drug me into the end zone. <laughs> I mean, I was on a ride going into the end zone. I get up, and I'm in the end zone, absolutely humiliated, as you can imagine. You can imagine if you played football what, the, what the, the video was like. You know, you're watching the video, and the next day uh, we were watching, and they're like, oh, you know, you can imagine what that was like. I get up, I wipe the sweat off of my brow. I'm humiliated, and I see 413, 413, and I realize that no matter how many times I quoted Philippians 413, God was not going to transform me into a ninth grade Ronnie Lott. He just wasn't going to do it here. And so this passage is not a good luck charm. This passage is not saying that I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. So if I quote this passage enough, any athletic achievement is going to be mine just to take. Any artistic achievement is going to be mine just to take. Paul's not saying in this passage here that if we quote this verse enough, we'll have to get the right promotion. We have to get the right job. That's not what he's talking about. I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. The all things is the reference to finding contentment in any and every circumstance. That's what Paul's talking about here. And I, I, I would venture to say that's a far more profound truth for us to hold on to this morning. That what Paul is saying in this passage is, is that a deep and abiding focus on Christ is the secret to contentment in all of our circumstances. A deep and abiding focus upon Jesus Christ is the secret to contentment in all of our circumstances. Again, look at that passage. All things should stand out to you. Paul is talking about any and every circumstance in your life that contentment can be something that you walk in. 
with Christ who strengthens you. In the actual original language of the New Testament, the, the way Paul has written this puts all things in the emphatic position. It literally reads, all things I can do. If Paul was typing this on his MacBook in 2021, he puts it in bold. He, he puts it in all caps. He underlines it. He, he wants all things to jump off the page because we're tempted to say, in most situations, I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. I can find contentment and joy in most of my circumstances. Notice also in this passage here even more, Paul says, I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me, not I may do all things through him. Go back to elementary school, fourth grade, fifth grade. I don't know when you learned this, but you learned the difference between can and may. May means permission, can means ability. What Paul is saying here, again, is not a disclaimer. He's not saying that you, you can find contentment as long as the majority of your circumstances go your way. That's not. It's actually the opposite of what he's saying here. He's not limiting a, a number of circumstances or situations. It's just a reminder to us. If you find yourself restless in life, if you find yourself discontent, it isn't because the situation that you're going through is too difficult for God. It's more likely that it is, it is an indication that we've taken our focus off of God in the midst of our circumstances. We can do all things through Christ who strengthens us. That word strengthens is a, it's a powerful word. It means to be empowered. It means to be enabled. It means to be made strong. It means to be increased. Again, what Paul is saying is, is no matter what anyone else is doing around us, no matter what's going on inside of us, no matter what is around us in our circumstances here, God desires to strengthen you to find joy and to walk in contentment in any and every difficult situation of life or even in any and every wonderful situation in life. In Christ, you have all you need to walk through life and all of life's circumstances with joy and contentment. Do you believe that? Do you believe that in Christ you have all you need to walk through all of life's circumstances with joy and contentment? I think oftentimes we don't believe that. I think if we're just going to be honest, a lot of times in life we don't believe this. And I think one reason that we don't believe this is because we're not looking for contentment in life. We want to be comfortable in life. I think one of, the, one of the greatest obstacles to finding contentment is thinking that God's design for your life is to make you comfortable in it. And I want you to hear me clearly here. God is the great comforter. The Holy Spirit comforts us. But God's goal for your life is not to make you comfortable in this life. Oftentimes, he uses us not being comfortable not feeling as this is our home, feeling discomfort in life. Oftentimes, God uses us not being comfortable to, to be sort of a highway that leads us to this place where we realize even in the midst of our discomfort, we can find contentment on the journey. So if you're here thinking that it is God's design to make you happy, I remind you it is God's design to make you holy. If you're here to think that his ultimate uh, design for you is to make you comfortable in the midst of everything you're experiencing, you will be sorely disappointed as a follower of Jesus. 
He calls us to take up our cross and to follow him. He calls us to the, to the path of, of, of crucifixion. He calls us to identify in Christ with his sufferings. He desires to give you contentment and joy that is far greater than the comfort that this world promises. So how do we walk into this? How do we experience this? Well, we need to be reminded. You know, sometimes in life, as a follower of Jesus, we don't need new information. We need to be reminded of core truths of who we are. And so this morning, as we talk about contentment in Christ, you need to remember, I need to remember that contentment is in Christ and not in your circumstances. Let me say that again. That, that contentment is in Christ and not in your circumstances. Outside of Philippians 4.13, if you're writing, taking notes, if you write in your Bible, I encourage you to do that. In the margin, just put John 15.5 in there. Because Paul is expounding upon Jesus' words. Paul is taking Jesus' words, and, and he, he is just giving explication of what that actually looks like. And you remember what Jesus said? Jesus says, I am the vine, you are the branches. Whoever abides in me and I in him, he it is that bears much fruit. For apart from me, you can do nothing. Apart from me, you can do nothing. So when we go through life and it's, it's uncomfortable for us and we're going through trials, it is a time for us to be reminded, who am I? What is the source of my identity? What is most important about me? Who, who am I? Who are you? See, there's a temptation for you to think the most important thing about you is your performance or your occupation or, or your children's success or the approval of friends or your health and well-being or the attainment of, of, of whatever stuff comes before you here. And all of these things are, are important, and all these things at times can be good, but, but are they foundationally who you are? We live in a day and age that has all types of, of, of a desire for you to see what is most core and essential about you. When you answer that question, who am I, that the most important way that you can answer that is with your ethnicity. Who am I? Or, or the culture will say, the most important way for you to answer that is your nationality. Or the most important way for you to answer that is your sexuality. You see, we live in a day where the cultural stream is flowing in this way that has all types of alternatives to say who you are foundationally. And if you are in Christ, if you are a follower of him and placed your faith in him, let me remind you of who you are. When you're distraught, when you're despondent, when, you're, when you, when you uh, are tempted to despair, you look into the mirror, and as a follower of Jesus, you need to hear, I am in Christ. This is who I am. I'm a child of the Most High King. I'm made in His image, and I'm saved by His grace. I am completely loved despite my worst days or even because of my best days. I'm completely forgiven by the blood of Jesus Christ who died for me. I am daily empowered by the Holy Spirit who lives in me and works through me. Absolutely no one and absolutely nothing can touch me in my life apart from God's sovereign permission. I'm in Christ and I am not in my circumstances. I am in Christ which means I can face with joy and contentment whatever my circumstances because Christ strengthens me in any and every one of my circumstances. This is who you are. 
And we need to be reminded of it because we easily forget who we are and whose we are. I mean, you know this. I mean, some of you have, you, you, you know this intuitively. You've got the experience to know this. From season to season, your titles and roles are going to change. Go ahead, go ahead and try to put your identity in, in, in the title that you receive at 23 when you get finished with grad school and start your first job. At 43, it's going to be a different title. At 63, it's going to be a different title. Our titles change. Try to put your identity in, in your role as a parent with young children. And then realize over the years how, how that role is going to change when they become teenagers and how that role is going to change when they, they leave your home and go to college and they get married and, and you're an empty nester here. Try to put your identity in that as it changes or where you live, your address, your home. I mean, any of us that, that, that can look back upon life can, can see how many different addresses that we've had, how life has, has taken us, and, and we look back and say, I, I didn't see myself going in this direction here. And it's just a reminder to us that so much in life changes. It changes by your choice, and it changes by the circumstances around you that you don't have a choice in. And that's a part of life. And so we have to ask ourselves, who am I in the midst of of the changing roles and the changing titles? Who am I in the midst of the changing addresses? Is there anything that is core? Is there anything that is essential? Is there anything that is unchanging? And the answer is yes. And it's him. Yes, it's you in Christ that is unchanging, no matter your circumstances. It's you in an abiding deep relationship with him that no matter what's going on around you, this is untouchable who you are, and what he has done for you. So remember, remember that contentment in Christ is possible, not contentment in your circumstances. And finally this morning, remember to look to Christ and walk in contentment. You know, we, we've got to recalibrate ourselves. We, we are prone to wander. Every one of us here, me first and foremost, we gather on Sunday we're reminded of the Word of God through the songs that we sing. We're reminded of the the Word of God in the prayers that we pray. We're reminded of the Word of God when we sit next to each other, shoulder to shoulder, and we hear the Word of God uh, preached and teach. Why why do we do this? Because we need to be recalibrated. We are prone to wander. We are prone to, to, in this moment of life, to think to ourselves, no, contentment is in the pursuit of... And there are all kinds of siren songs singing for your affection, longing to say to you, you can find pleasure and true joy and true contentment if only you are able to to receive this and to achieve this. And so we we have to sit under the Spirit of God, through the Word of God, to be reminded, no, 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 no. The true joy and contentment is found in a pursuit of Christ, in a relationship with Him. That's why we worship. That's why we bend our knees daily to talk to him in prayer. That's why we open up his word and we read it in our daily devotions. Why? So that we can become intellectually superior and and win Bible jeopardy? No, we want to hear his voice. We want to be led by him. We are his sheep. He is the great shepherd. We need to hear his voice in his word. We need to confess sin. You understand this. I hope you do. 
that sin and joy, they're not cozy roommates in the content heart of a believer. When sin moves into your heart, it always evicts contentment to the curb. If you're here today, and and there are patterns of sin that are unconfessed, if there are parts of your life that you you have uh, in, in the dark recesses and you've not brought to the Lord and received his confession, are you going to be perfect? Am I going to? The answer is no. But if we confess our sin, he is faithful and just to forgive us and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. I just want you to hear this clearly. If there's unconfessed patterns of sin in your life, no matter how great life is, you will not have contentment in life. You will not find what you are looking for. And so we bow our knees, believe in his word to be true. We bow our knees knowing that, that he has spoken and that the power of God is far greater than any difficulty that you are facing. Do you believe that? That the power of God is far greater than whatever difficulty you're facing. That there is no trial that is too difficult for our God. There is no obstacle that is too high for our God. There is no temptation that is too strong. There is no opposition that is too powerful. There is no persecution that is too threatening. That if we place our faith and trust in God and we follow him in obedience, this joy will be your joy. This contentment will be your contentment. This confidence will be your confidence. This is the word of the Lord. You need to hear this. I need to hear this. Why? Because this is the past tense, the present tense, and the future tense for all of us that are here. Either you are in the midst of a difficult situation, or you have come out of a difficult situation, or you're headed to one. If you've lived long enough, you understand the Word of God tells us the trials and tribulations will come our way, and they come in different sizes and different shapes. Some of them we can see from miles away, and some of them, they knock us in the face, and we have not invited them in. They've come through the back door. They broke down a door. Whatever it might be, that is a part of this life. And my question to you is, Do you know that no matter where you've been, no matter where you are, and no matter where you're headed, there can be joy and contentment in the journey because Christ is with you at every part and every step of the journey. God had one son who knew no sin, but he doesn't have a single son or daughter who doesn't know sorrow and trials. It's a part of all of our journey. Here's the beautiful promise. You in your life, follower of Jesus, you will know what it is to lack. And you will know what it is to overflow. But here's the secret. That in it all and through it all, you have all you need in Christ. You can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. So you live in Pulled by the undertow of the circumstances around you? Are you living out of the overflow of Christ in you? I, we, can do all things through him who strengthens me. And all of God's people said,